Thank you. So I've got behind me a slide on technology. This is a tech conference after all. It took the airline industry 64 years to reach 50 million people. It took TV 22 years to reach 50 million users. It took Facebook four years. And more recently, it took Pokemon Go, the first major AR innovation, a grand total of 19 days to reach 50 million users. So I think we all know that the pace of technology is faster than ever before, and it's only getting faster. And yet, when surveyed, employers say without a doubt that more important than coding, more important than technology skills, are people skills. Communication, collaboration, problem solving. The more technology grows, the more important people skills actually are to advance your business, your career, and your life. So we'll talk for a few minutes this morning about how to develop such people skills so that you can get, like my book says, I guess, everything that you want. So when people hear about people skills, they immediately get excited. So what do I say to get people to do what I want? What are the tricks? What are the tools? And I often say, let's, let's take a pause, because the first thing you've got to do to develop people skills and to get things from other people is to better understand yourself. Self-awareness is the fundamental building block of the art of people. So before you go out and try to convince others, sell others, persuade others, you have to have a very deep and profound understanding of yourself. I'm going to share a little bit of, of my journey to my own self-discovery and self-awareness, take you back to 2002, solid 17 years ago. This is me over at my first job in Boston, Massachusetts, working for Radio Disney. So I was a salesperson for Radio Disney. I was actually the number one salesperson in the country until this woman started working at my office. She dropped me to number two within three months. This is us actually winning the Mickey and Minnie Awards for Radio Disney. So, when somebody joins you at your office and drops you to, uh, to number two and is your match, what happens? Of course, I fell madly in love with her. But there was one slight problem. She was married already. So she ended up moving to New York with her husband to try to focus on her marriage. And I did what any, anyone with unrequited love would do. I went on a reality television show to find true love. True. <laughs> and by the way, this is especially relevant because believe it or not, this show aired in 2003 
and after 16 years off the air, it came back on Fox in America last night. <laughs> the concept of the show, sexy singles at a luxury resort and me. <laughs> Made for very good television, as you can imagine. Now, I've shared, of course, my experiences on the show. I've written about it. I've, I've talked about it. But I'm going to share with you guys an experience that I've actually never shared publicly before. And it was an experience that really helped me better understand myself, as difficult as uh, an experience as it was. So what you might not know about reality shows is that you're totally sequestered from, from the real world. No access to phones, internet, newspapers, TV, nothing. You're totally immersed. But every two weeks, the crew would have a day off. So we would actually stop filming, we would leave the house, and we would hang out in another hotel by ourselves with a production assistant. So about eight weeks into the show, we had a day off. I was with the production assistant. I said I needed some toiletries, so he took me to uh, the local Walmart. And while he wasn't looking, I snuck over to the magazine rack. And I found a copy of People magazine. So as you can imagine, I was really curious about what the real world was saying about this show. The show was airing live while we were, while we were away, and I had no idea what was going on. So I'm flipping through, sneaking, sneaking a, a look at the, at the People magazine, and I find an article on Paradise Hotel, and I see the following. Homely Dave doesn't stand a chance. Now, I, I was hanging out with a whole bunch of Europeans last night, and I, as I understand, the word homely in Europe has a more positive connotation. Let me show you exactly what the word homely means in the United States of America. Grotesque, hideous, <laughs> ill-favored, monstrous, ugly, unappealing, unattractive, unbeautiful, uncomely, unhandsome, unloving, unpleasing, unpretty, unsightly, and my personal favorite, vile. So I'm out there, secretly reading this magazine, unable to share what I'm reading with anyone, and I read the following description of myself that has been shared with millions of Americans. As you can imagine, that was a very, very difficult experience. So I ended up going to the only person I could talk to, the show therapist. Yes, the show did have its own therapist. And I said, what, what do I do about this? What, what does this mean? This is so hard. How do I deal with this fact? And he helped me come to a really, really important realization about myself. A couple things, actually. First, I am the type of person that likes to put myself out there. Anyone else, an entrepreneur or somebody that likes to put themselves out there? So the deal is, when you put yourself out there, there's a lot you can gain, but there are also some risks and you have to be willing to have a thick skin and deal with the downside of putting yourself out there. He also said to me, he said, you know, Dave, exactly how many people do you need to like you to be happy? And then he said, and if you had that many people liking you, how would you know? And that was super, super insightful and valuable for me to realize 
course, this was years before I started writing books and building companies all called Likeable. But it was really valuable to know myself a little bit better. And so my first lesson for all of you guys is before you go about trying to influence others, get a very, very deep and profound understanding of yourself. The other tool that I found uh, just a few years ago is called the Enneagram. I was at an entrepreneur's uh, a retreat, and I'm a, I'm a super type A personality, always on the go. And this was a retreat where I was forced to slow down. There was yoga, there was meditation, there was all this stuff that was very difficult for me to deal with. And then finally, I sat in this Enneagram workshop, and for four hours, I learned this tool. Any, any of you guys know the Enneagram by chance? Wow, awesome, yeah, it's exploding. So if you don't know the Enneagram yet, take, uh, take the, the, the free test at my website, enneagramfun.com. I, I, I took it, I fell, fell madly in love with it. It became a super useful tool, and we've now administered it hundreds of times to employees, to uh, managers. Uh, I, I've given it to friends, um, and it's super, super valuable to understand our own motivations and the motivations of others. So once you understand yourself, the next step in having conversations with people is listening. And I also learned this through my, my time at Entrepreneurs Organization. Most people never really listen. Everyone thinks they're a good listener. How many people think they're a good listener? Most people think they're good listeners, but they're not actually listening to understand. They're listening to reply. They're waiting to talk. And there's a huge difference. Thanks to technology, you can actually listen at scale using social media. A lot of people think social media is great to talk, to get the word out about their companies, to get the word out about what they're doing, but I think it's even more valuable to listen. About eight years ago, towards the beginnings of social media, I was, uh, I was out in Vegas for a speech kind of like this, and I, was, uh, I had just taken a six-hour flight, and I was really tired, I, I just wanted to get some rest, I was checking in at the, the hottest hotel at the time, the Aria Hotel, and it was a super long line. I was getting frustrated. I was waiting to check in 10 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes. I'm an impatient New Yorker. Eventually, I was waiting to check in over 45 minutes. And so I was super angry and frustrated, and I did what any social media nerd would do. I took out my phone and tweeted, waiting over 45 minutes online at the Aria, not worth it. Hashtag fail. For all you social media newbies, if there are still any out there, that means you guys suck. Well, the ARIA wasn't listening, and the ARIA never responded to my tweet. In fact, in eight years, the ARIA still never responded to my tweet. But the Rio, a hotel down the street, was listening. And the Rio responded to my tweet within 60 seconds. Now, when I share this story with senior corporate executives that don't really understand social media, they always say, and some of you might be thinking, what did they tweet? Come on over, we have a room with your name on it. Come on over, we'll take better care of you than them. Well, no. If they had tweeted that, I would have thought two things. First, it's kind of creepy that they're stalking me that closely. And second, why is it jam-packed and happening at the Aria, and it's wide open at the Rio. What's up with that? Instead, they tweeted the following. 
Sorry you're having a bad experience, Dave. Hope the rest of your time in Vegas goes well. Sorry you're having a bad experience, Dave. Hope the rest of your time in Vegas goes well. Well, guess where I stayed the next time I went to Vegas? And the time after that? And the time after that? They won thousands and thousands of dollars worth of my business, not from a marketing message or a sales message, but from demonstrating that they were listening and, and giving empathy. You see, no matter how many times people ask for advice, in my experience, no one actually wants advice. They just want to feel heard. So when people are sharing their problems at work, at home, anywhere, instead of trying to solve their problems, listen super carefully, mirror back what you hear, and validate them. Walk in their shoes. Demonstrate empathy. Listen, not with the intent to talk, or even with the intent to solve, but with the intent to hear and to better empathize. And I think you'll be amazed at the results. I know I have been amazed at how powerful a little bit of empathy goes. So you understand yourself, you're listening well, you're asking lots of questions. Eventually, as an influencer, as a leader, as somebody that wants to influence others and persuade others, you've got to actually do some talking on your own. So when it comes time to talking, let's talk about the attitude that is the most powerful. When most people ask you how you're doing, what do you say? How are you doing? Fine. These days, it's more like busy. Maybe this morning after a, a late night out, it's tired, exhausted, hungover. Ask me how I'm doing. I'm fantastic. Those two single words are the most powerful, contagious way to influence others. If you don't believe me, next time somebody asks you how you're doing, just give it a try. Say, I'm fantastic. And they'll probably want to hang out with you, ask you what, what you're on. <laughs> Either way, people would much rather be around people that are fantastic than people that are busy, fine, okay. And it turns out, that there is actual real science behind this. We all have mirror neurons that actually mirror the attitude of the people that are in front of us. So if you are tired, okay, upset, angry, disappointed, bitter, resentful, cynical, in other words, a New Yorker. No, if you are in a bad mood, that is going to influence the people that you're talking to. And on the other hand, if you're in a great mood, if you're in a fantastic mood, that is also going to influence the people that you're talking to. So how do I walk around fantastic every single day? How do I prepare myself to actually be authentically fantastic 
no matter who I'm talking to and no matter what audience I'm in front of. I'm going to share with you two hacks to become fantastic. Because the reality is there are lots of times where I'm not fantastic. But if I'm going to be an effective leader, if I'm going to be an effective persuader of others, an influencer of, of others, well, I've got to figure out a way to be fantastic. The way I learned this uh, what took place about four or five years ago. I was having a really, really bad day. I had a train ride in the morning to, uh, to Washington, D.C. to pitch an investor to ask for some money. And on my way down, I found out that one of our businesses lost a very big client, $250,000 client or so. I was kind of upset about that. But I figured, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll change my mood. I'll get down to Washington. I'll use the trick to make myself happier food. I'll find the best sushi place in Washington. I'll have some sushi, and then I'll be in a good place to have my investor pitch. So I get to Washington, and uh, I, I, I yelp the best sushi place in Washington. It was about a mile and a half away, but I said, you know what, I'll get some exercise. It was about 80 degrees out Fahrenheit, so it was a, it was a hot day, but I figured it's okay. I'll, I'll, I'll walk as leisurely as I can. I walk a mile and a half to the best sushi restaurant in Washington in order to get in a good mood. I arrive at the restaurant, and what do I see in the front door? Closed. So now I'm in a really bad mood. I'm super hungry, and I don't even have time to get something to eat before my investor pitch. So I'm racing to the investor pitch, and along my way, I see a homeless person asking me for money. Now, we've all had this experience. I sort of did a double take when they asked me for money. And as soon as I did that, we made eye contact. And the homeless person now expected me to give them some change. So I reach into my pocket for some change. And of course, I don't have any change. Now I'm feeling super guilty, a little embarrassed. So I say, you know what? I'm going to give the guy a dollar. Reach into my pocket, looking for a dollar bill. And of course, I have no dollar bills. The smallest bill I have is a $50 bill. So I'm thinking, wow, I got two choices here. Either I spent $50 on this random homeless person, or I am a total douchebag and walk away with this person standing right here expecting something. So I take a chance. I give the homeless person the $50 bill. And you would have thought that they just won a million dollars in the lottery jumping up and down, screaming, asking to hug me. It was like a totally moving and inspirational moment for him. And it actually had that same impact on me. It turns out the way to become fantastic is to get out of yourself and your own misery and do, very, do something super, super simple. Be kind. Commit to an act of kindness. Give a dollar to a homeless person. Sometimes. I'll, I'll go downstairs and hold the door for the next 10 people. Or if I'm feeling in a really, really bad mood and I need a super, super act of kindness, I'll pick up the phone and call my mom. <laughs> Either way, when you are kind or when you are grateful, it changes your perspective and it puts you in a better mindset to influence others. 
So to recap real quickly for you guys, because I'm all about action steps when you walk away from here today, what can you actually take with you to work on your people skills? First, work on knowing and understanding yourself better. Next, work on your listening skills. Develop your empathy. Work on becoming a more keen listener and truly walking in the other person's shoes. And finally, work on the simple acts of kindness and gratitude that allow you to authentically and honestly say the next time someone asks you how you're doing, I'm fantastic. So a quick postscript to the story I shared earlier as I wrap up. On Paradise Hotel, I uh, did compete, and despite the fact that I was with a bunch of much sexier singles, made it all the way to the finals on the show. I did not find true love on the show, but after the show, I, uh, I was uh, living in Los Angeles, D-list celebrity, real loser, but thought I was sort of pseudo-famous for a little while, and about a year later, I called up uh, that, that woman uh, that, that uh, I had met uh, at Radio Disney, and I had fallen madly in love with that it was unavailable to me at the time. And um, I told her a little white lie. I don't recommend this, people skills wise, but I told her, you know, uh, actually, uh, I have to be in uh, New York next week to meet with my agent. And she said, oh, that's interesting. Actually, I'm, um, I'm going through a divorce right now. And I said, oh man, I'm so sorry to hear that. And uh, the moral of the story is, 16 years later, three books later, three businesses later, and most important, three children later, I have found my paradise. Thank you very much. <laughs>